The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! This the intro. Welcome to the show today, James. <laughs> Hello, I'm I'm so glad to be a, a guest in your house, there, Mr. Red. Elmo, are you Elmo? You this? can call me Melmo for the purposes of not copyright infringement. <laughs> Thanks, copyright free Melmo. I really appreciate you letting me into this little apartment you have here. Uh, what a nice so little fish. So I'm looking around here mm-hmm. and I'm noticing a whole lot of different shapes and colors. <laughs> it's a pretty spot-on impression you have there, Melmo. Also, uh, there's a little bit of New York twang in there, uh, which I appreciate. Yeah, shapes and colors. I'm from Sesame Street. It's a turn right on fifth. It's kind of like Arnold Just turn Stang. Right on fifth. Yeah, well, yeah, right on fifth. I, you gave me that direction earlier, uh, and that actually took me to the wrong side of the road. Um, that the right side for Elmo. Yeah, well, it was a one-way, and there was a car. You feel me? Pretty boy? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Elmo hands you a shape. What is it? I think that's a middle finger. (laughs) You got it! Yeah, that's a bad shape, Elmo. Yeah! Stop it. Elmo hands you another shape. What is it? That's just the other finger. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You got it again, pretty boy. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay, Elmo hands you a third shape. Here you go. All right. Well, this shape looks a little more heart-shaped. Oh! Ah, <laughs> yeah! Now, what color is it? Um... Say it! Say it for me. Use your human lips. Say it with your human lips. <laughs> I feel like... I want to hear the mouth meat flapping. What is it? What is it? 
Cuddy boy, what is it? What the fuck do you think that is? <laughs> well, Momo, <laughs> I'm, I'm scared. I'm alone. There's a man's hand up your anus. <laughs> and that's a whole blue heart. That's the bit. <laughs> that's a bit, all right. <laughs> that's how we end them now. I think that's how we end them. That's the bit. Woo. Ah, oh, boy. Sorry, Lily Mae. Yeah. Why'd we do that one? <laughs> I had a couple others, and then the mood just hit. I had a whole, like, we're going to bring Carl back and everything, and then I the mood just... You could have brought Carl Brettelbrook back into the fold, <laughs> and you didn't do that. You chose the large red puppet instead. <laughs> How was your uh, Thanksgiving, Carl? Oh, just the most laborious I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so it was a laborious one, was it? So many turkeys to be ripped. I, a turkey salesman from the great state of somewhere, I, w- I won't reveal that on the podcast here, but I had turkeys for dinner, as one does on Thanksgiving, you see. Mm-hmm. That was by myself, but I have an insatiable appetite for turkey giblets. <laughs> Gravy made of the eye stalks. <laughs> I would like to point out this is two episodes in a row where we've done a do-over. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's both. <laughs> it's both. All right. Well, welcome to the Third Men Podcast. Goodbye, Carl. Goodbye. Welcome to the Third Men Podcast. I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. And uh, this is our Jack White History Podcast where we go over uh, just all kinds of Third Man uh, music and movies and TV and uh, assorted acts, connected acts, and... Could you tell from this intro? (laughs) And this week, James, we've got yet another Mm -hmm. awesome interview, series of interviews, really, with someone just super connected to the third man orbit. One could say it's more than the orbit, it's just, it's part of third man. Mm -hmm. Paul, why don't you tell them who we're interviewing today? Well, today we've got a conversation with Lily Mae Rishi. We're very excited for that. You may know Lily Mae from many Jack White Connected projects. The way we got to know her, of course, was through the Blunderbuss and Lazaretto tours where she played with Jack's band. She also released a Blue Room single with Third Man. She was on the latest Rack and Tours album. She has put out not one, but two LPs now on Third Man Records. And her second album, Other Girls, we're going to be talking about it on the show today, and then we're going to wrap up with an interview with Lily Mae. Of all people. Uh, I know. It's uh, crazy that you got this, Paul. I wish I could have been there, because, spoiler alert, you won't be hearing my dulcet tones, but I was there in spirit, and I am so happy that she was willing to talk with us (laughs) about (laughs) literally anything. Uh, So that's... That's great. Well, actually, I have one more thing to add. Oh. We're not just going to be talking to Lily May in this episode. <gasps> we are also going to be talking with Scarlett, Rishi, and Frank, her siblings. And Scarlett, of course, is also connected with Third Man Projects and contributed mandolin to the latest Tours album. And Frank is just a wonderful musician and played all over this new record, Other Girls. So we're going to talk about Other Girls. We're actually going to go through the record. We're going to do a little bit of an album analysis and review of it. And then we're going to end on the interviews, which, James, as you mentioned, you were not there for. I saw Lily May 
Scarlet Frank and the rest of the band perform at a small club here in Los Angeles this past August. And before the show, I was able to get interviews with all three of them. And I'll get into more detail on that when we hit that portion of the program. But before we get to all of that, Paul, (laughs) there's something we should be apologizing for, James. Oh, it's annoying as hell, in fact. Yeah, it's annoying as hell, in fact. We're sorry. They're annoying as hell, in fact. Sorry. We're sorry. Annoying as hell, in fact, is the portion of the show where we apologize for doing something we done shouldn't have done on a prior episode. And uh, y'all called us out on it, and, uh, you know, this is the part where we apologize. Yeah, and one could say that we should be apologizing for stealing the McElroy's bit, but uh, we... (laughs) Which bit is that? Uh, The Yahoo Answers. Right, yeah, the whole episode. (laughs) Right, 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 got it. Yeah, no, the whole thing. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, we did a question and answer episode last week. We had some great discussion. Great. Yeah, no, it it was really solid discussion, and I think we did... Solid we did the best with what we could with some of these questions, one of them being, which do you like better, the Black Keys or the White Stripes? Now, I think the question was, who is better? Who is like better? That. It was very definitive. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we yeah. tried to come up with uh, some subjective opinion on the matter, as well as some objective opinion on the matter by coming up with some, you know, awards stuff. And, and at, in the end, we ended up with some BS. Uh, but <laughs> that's okay. Because the question, you know, it's impossible to answer because it's it's a subjective question. There is no right. better or worse in, in an art form. And we may have used some harsher language than some people may have liked about the Black Keys. We were trying not to shit all over them. And some people may have taken it that way. And, and for that, we apologize. We're sorry. I'm going to take it a step further and say, even though we said we weren't shitting all over the Black Keys, we kind of did. And we, and by we, I mean me. I think I was a little harsh there. You know, I would like to go on record as saying I don't mind the Black Keys. Yeah, and if you like them, you like them. Whatever. We, we, it, we, yes, it was a matter of opinion, you see. We feel neither love nor hate towards them, I think. And if you like them, hey, power to you. Go for it. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I may have, not may, I used belittling language that is my personal opinion. That is not uh, stated as fact, and I apologize to any Black Keys fans that uh, I may have offended, because uh, I sure don't want to offend anybody, you know? It makes me sad to think I might have, so I apologize, Black Keys fans. I think Ebony and Ivory, Jack White and the Black Keys can live in perfect harmony on Stevie Wonder's keyboard, where God and Paul McCartney... Mm-hmm. God and Bid Paul McCartney, yes. Sentenced there for all eternity and... They making them out of ivory still, you think? No. <laughs> we still killing elephants for piano keys? No, we Paul. Doing that? No, Paul. They just tickle it now. Uh, they just tickle that ivory and... That's <laughs> when you go up to an elephant. It's what the kids... It's a YouTube challenge prank thing. To tickle the elephant to the point where you remove its bones. No, you just tickle its bones. <laughs> <laughs> this got off track. Anyway, um, yeah, anyway. we're sorry. Uh, so we're sorry. We love you. We're sorry. <laughs> la, 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 
right, James. <laughs> let's start. Let's start with this topic here. What do you say? Let's get into these other girls. That sounds really bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we talk about other girls, I just want to give a brief background of Lily Mae Rishi here. Now, if you'd like to hear more about Lily Mae's story, you can listen to episode 30 of the podcast where we did a deep dive into Lily Mae's history and her last record, Forever and Then Some, mm-hmm. which was, of course, the first record of hers released on Third Man. But just to give you a bit of background here, Lily Mae and her siblings were in a family band called Gypsy for many years. They actually put out a record. James and I tracked one down. They moved to Nashville. They got ensconced in the scene. People who play music in clubs in Nashville tend to know Lily Mae, Scarlett, Frank, the whole crowd there and even james when we were talking to jared green of the howland brothers he mentioned oh yeah i know lily may so and and our parents when they were in nashville just for like a weekend mm-hmm. scarlet just so happened to be playing a show that day that they were there at the club they happened to be at so i, I feel yeah. like you throw a rock in nashville you hit a rishi well the uh the rishis have a home base of sorts uh, on broadway in nashville there's a club that says you know home of Lily Mae Rishi, or home of the Rishis. And uh, so most nights you can go there and possibly see an act by the Rishis over there. Is that real? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think I took a picture of it. Let me let me double check that. Cause I couldn't tell if that was a bit or not. I was, like, waiting for it to go somewhere. Also, you shouldn't throw rocks at Rishis. I, don't. I don't. <laughs> For the record, don't throw There's, any rocks at Rishis. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a folk song. Don't throw rocks at Rishis. Uh, Layla's Club... Um, it uh, it advertises itself on Broadway as Layla's home of Lily May, third man recording artist, and Rishi's. Wow! Yeah, so that's Far on the out. that's on the uh, the marquee right out front, right on Layla's uh, Layla's marquee. So pretty neat. So that's awesome. Yeah, mutually advantageous. So yeah, you know they had been around for a little while, but they first came onto our radar when Lily May participated in the Blunderbuss tour. She was a member of the Peacocks. And, of course, later on, when it came time for the Lazaretto tour, she was the only mm-hmm. uh, remnant of that all-female band, the Peacocks, to make it into the Lazaretto tour. So she was on tour with Jack for the better part of, I would say, four years or so, which is quite you know quite a long time. And with good reason, because when you listen to the Lazaretto album, she sings all over that thing. And, you know, one of my favorite songs of Jack's, maybe my top five just Jack songs of all time, Temporary Ground, the song's kind of made by Lily Mae harmonizing with Jack on that thing. On the floor in Lily Island, moving over slowly sideways, rest of temporary creatures, spending all of their days. Buckle down below their belts Crashing into yet another Drifting continental sound Moving with that motion Screaming with that sound Across an open ocean Lying there on temporary ground Moving with that motion Screaming with that sound Across the northern ocean Lying there on temporary ground 
fantastic song without her, but a, a truly great song that belongs to one of Jack's best uh, with her. Yeah. Well, there's also Alone in My Home as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right around that time, she released the Blue Room series single, mm-hmm. which uh, was also, was you know, was also good. It was, I think, a preview a little bit. And then her first solo album released was an album called Rain on the Piano. Yes. We weren't quite sure if that was going to herald more things to come. We weren't quite sure what her larger role in the third band world was going to be. And then we got it in the form of her debut third man records album, Forever and Then Some, in 2017, which was all original material, if I'm recalling correctly, produced by Jack. Jack plays all over it, mm-hmm. and it is, you know, it had the big third man push. She was on, what, she was on, like, Conan, right, for that one? Like, she was all over the place. Conan, Colbert, yeah, she was all over the place. That was a big push. Some mainstream attention for this otherwise smaller country kind of act, which me and Paul love, and we're happy uh, other people who might not have gotten to see her got to see her. My next guest tonight has played on the show as a member of Jack White's band, and tonight we're thrilled to welcome her back to perform a song from her debut solo album, Forever and Then Some. Please welcome Lily Mae! I never saw you coming I sure didn't think you'd be gone so soon I took off running Over the hill and through the woods It didn't do no good Well now my mind is aching Days of and we should talk about the distinction, I think, between her music and, say, Margot Price, because you could probably make the argument that Margot Price's success emboldened Third Man to take on a country-sounding album such as Lily Mae, but I think there's also a distinction between the kind of music that Margot makes and the kind of music that Lily Mae makes. I think Lily Mae's is much more of a bluegrass kind of sound. A honky-tonk Appalachian kind of feel. Right. Yeah, it's a little more, it sounds a little more homespun, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, Kentucky bluegrass. Yes. Like, it would be joyful to play, you know? Like, it sounds, there's a, yeah, there's like a, there's like a family quality to it. And I, I, maybe that's just in my head because she was in a family band, but there is something about it which feels familial. Yeah, as opposed to Margot Price, who has the classic Nashville country or Memphis country kind of vibe to it, where it's someone singing about the trouble they've seen there's more blues and there's more rock and roll i think in what Margot's doing mm-hmm. but what's interesting about this new album other girls is that she introduces some psychedelic style rock and roll into it which Margot doesn't do mm-hmm. although it would make more sense for Margot to do because Margot seems like she uses a lot more drugs than lily may does but then again i don't know i don't know them personally <laughs> well Margot also has her own line of weed and is a little more vocal about the the habit than than Lily May. Lily May might do it recreationally, who knows? But Margot is like, this is my lifestyle. Don't don't talk to me until I've had my weed coffee, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that sort of leads me James into a broader conversation I think about Lily May's music, which is that Margot's exudes a confidence in it. And Lily May I would say 
exudes a defiance. But Mm. to me, her music always has an undercurrent of softness that Margot doesn't have. I think Margot's is very, I believe this and I'm going to do it and yada, yada, yada. And Lily Mays is more like, I think this and I've been hurt and yada, you know, so. That's a very good segue into uh, what I've done here, which is a now hear this style bullet point list here. (laughs) Good morning. I'm going to be your instructor. Okay, I know you're anxious to jump right in. Show that Paul runs with friend of the show, Ryan Brady, uh, sister show to this one, one might say, or brother or father. Who knows? Uh, (laughs) It's a Jack White podcast, so it could be either or both. Yes. So this is a podcast within a podcast. This is my bullet point list for the album Other Girls, which I think sums up Lily Mae's songwriting style to a T, in my opinion. I am waiting with (laughs) bated breath. I cannot wait. Resolute defiance in the face of misfortunate happenstance. Hey, that's a good one. Okay, okay. It's just a, you know, it's a start. I like that. Lily Mae don't need you round anyhow. (laughs) Okay, that's a good one too. It's terrible. I like that. That one's garbage. Uh, And then this one. (laughs) Uplifting songs in minor keys on the backs of thousands of eagles. Wow, thousands (laughs) of eagles. That see now that denotes a strength to me. So mm. you, you're finding strength in there. I'm seeing a stand up for yourself kind of. You broke up with me, and you know what? I don't need a man. I don't need no man around here. Yeah, uh, that at least that's in the other girls. That's what I'm getting mostly from that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 always a kind of confidence that she has versus that Margot has. In that Margot is singing about pain that has already happened and lily may is singing about pain that's just happened i don't know there's something there's something that's that's very still sad but courageous about lily's music to me yeah well sad but courageous is a great way to sum it up and uh i love your bullets james i'm very very excited about that and i got (laughs) i got a little chills um very Not great cool. first attempt, but hey, there that's, you go. <laughs> so that's what it's like being on the receiving end of one of those. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I feel very similarly about it, and that leads to a difference I noticed in Forever and Then Some and Other Girls, which is the production, because I think Jack White as a producer got different things out of Lily May than Dave Cobb. Jack's approach seems to have a touch of the familiar to it. And by that, I mean, I think Jack's ear wasn't necessarily trying to make a specific genre of record. I think he sees Lily Mae more as... Are you saying that Jack's ear wasn't on the cob? <laughs> I, think Jack's, I think Jack's seeing her more as maybe her sound more on a personal level than Dave Cobb, who's known for his country production and maybe fit her sound or contributed to fitting her sound a little bit more into a certain kind of mold. There's something less polished, although still great about Jack's stuff, which in my opinion brings out more of her inner self Mm. uh, and, and breaks genre a little bit than Dave Cobb, who on this record, other girls, it sounds more like what you'd expect perhaps from a country album. Yeah. uh, I, 
this album definitely feels different in tone and i guess i i don't i don't see it any less or more country or bluegrass than forever and then some to be honest i see less jack white influence for sure but that just means there's less uh eccentric kind of pop to it i'm getting the opposite of that i'm getting more i'm getting the guitars higher in the mix on other girls and oh yeah the, for sure because lily's playing guitar well there's that too but there's also like the psychedelic moments in this record which again we'll get into when we get to the tracks but i feel like those are much more of a departure we should say just because the producer was different doesn't mean that yeah. we're not trying to take anything away from Lily May's music in here, but you know, they does sound different. There's a different lens through which we're viewing her, the prism of her music, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm curious about how much has to do with her writing some of this on the road. That could be, um, because a guitar is much more central to tour bus writing as opposed to a fiddle. Right. And so I think, Maybe that could have affected it. Who knows what kind of influence she got from playing with other bands or hanging out with other artists while she was opening up for Jack White's solo stuff, like doing all yeah. that. You know, I think there's there's influence to be had from her experience since Forever and Then Some as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Well let's let's talk a little bit about the actual record itself. So Other Girls is Lily May's second solo LP release under the third man umbrella her third solo release overall outside of her work with Gypsy. And the record was recorded at RCA Studio A in Nashville, Tennessee. It's the TMR 590 Mm -hmm. in number for those of you interested in that sort of thing. It was mastered and pressed at Third Man. Bill Skibb handled that mastering. Bill Skibb is a common name in the uh, Jack White world. It looks like publishing goes a few different ways on this one. There's E Lil Em, which is I assume Lily May's publishing, and also Simo Says, which is Scarlet's, I'm pretty sure. Herschel Van Dyke Publishing, which he co-wrote, I think, a song or two on this record, and it looks like he's a Nashville musician. He played with Lily May and Scarlet when they appeared on an album by a group called the Bellamy Brothers. And then there's publishing from Mizel Ariaga. I may be pronouncing that wrong. I think Lily Mae does pronounce it in one of the live recordings that we've watched on YouTube, but Misael Ariaga. I'm going to go with Misael. Okay. So Misa on drums, Misa shot it. Misa oh, nice. filmed the video. Did a, he uh, also works in, in uh, you know, photography and video, etc. He took a lot of the promo photos for this album. He's Lily Mae's drummer, and he shot the video for You've Got Other Girls for that. So that guy... I did not even realize that that guy did all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, so it looks like he goes by Misa for short. And he's also, I'm pretty sure, Lily May's fiance, which I'm not actually sure how recent that is, but uh, there you go. Mm-hmm. It was engineered by Eddie Spear, Gina Johnson, and Rachel Moore, mixed by Dave Cobb and Eddie Spear, and as we mentioned, it was uh, produced by Dave Cobb. A little bit about how the record came out via Paste. She concocted her first album, 2017's Forever and Then Some, at Third Man's in-house studio. This time, she went the way of fellow fiddle star Amanda Shires and recruited Grammy Award-winning producer Dave Cobb, who also produced Jason Isbell and Sturgill Simpson, to make the record. So, I don't know if that was just because Jack was busy or just because she was looking to a different direction for producer, but 
yeah, she went with Dave on this one, and it does give the album a markedly different sound, I would say. Mm. Via Rolling Stone, May spent the last year immersed in Nashville's RCA Studio A, recording and taking a rare break from her intense touring schedule. This has been the slowest year of my life, she tells Rolling Stone. I've played less than ever in history. It's been really awesome to stretch that creative side and not just be hustling from gig to gig. And then she said of working with Dave Cobb that it was pretty cool. We just went in and recorded everything live but the overdubs. And so that element of things is pretty awesome. And I know that's not always the case, and it was really cool to get to do it that way. Dave is obviously extremely gifted and has an incredible ear. I'm really lucky to have been able to make this record and put it out and have all that help that I've had so far. It's really special. And I would agree. I think this is overall a really strong sophomore release from Lily Mae. And I was delighted to see her return on the third man label. Yeah. I would say that this album is uh, stronger possibly than the first one. We'll talk a little bit about the design. The layout was by Caitlin Parker using photos by Mizael Ariaga, as we've mentioned. And uh, there was some hype sticker, some, some such attached or included on the record that said, oh, <laughs> so this is how they describe Lily Mae on whatever this hype sticker is. And it sounds a little like a bullet actually. Sweetheart of the Honky Tonks haunted self-reckoning in the key of Appalachian psychedelia and confessional acoustics. Ooh. That's a there's bullet. A, if I, I was going to say, there's a bullet point. <laughs> Which is, by the way, dead on. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally accurate. When asked where the title came from, Lily Mae told Paste, there was just like numerous hinting or insinuating at the same thing. You know, there's... Terralingua girl, you've got other girls for that, at least three in this room. I had a thousand names that I wanted to call it, and that was the one that just felt right. I had a few different names that I thought about, and this one was the one that made sense, so that's really just it. It's a, sort of a sort of a Ringo quality Lily May has, because she's able to zero in on these phrases. As we know, she also named Jack's third solo album, Boarding House Reach, when Jack said excuse my boarding house reach to her one day Mm -hmm. and uh so she's got a real knack for zeroing in on that stuff and finding the nugget of you know i mean she originally was going to call this album octopus's garden so really it's anybody's (laughs) game og huh other girls octopus's garden who knows olive garden (laughs) coincidence yes (laughs) yes yes actually yes (laughs) the album was released on august 16th 2019 After not a whole lot of lead-up from announcement to release, it was announced on June 12th with the video for You've Got Other Girls for That. The last record had like four or five months of lead-up before the thing actually came out. I don't know if you remember that. It was around like uh, like before Christmas that photo came out of Jack and Lily under that tree and they announced the record and stuff. And then it wasn't until the spring that the thing Mm. actually came out. So, yeah, so this was a good one. It was kind of a, you know... A nice little surprise to drop into a 2019 where we were already expecting a Tours album. And it was so nice to get this, the Racks, and Olivia Jean all yeah. the same year. Because that's a, that's a wonderful little trifecta there. Yes. At least for us, we were fans of, of all three of them. It was like a, a whirlwind of a couple months. Cause, uh, or if, if, it, if anything, a month. I feel like they all came out around the same time, right? Yeah, the Rax was a little before, but uh, Lily Mae and Olivia Jean were both in August, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. All right, James, I've got my LP in hand. 
I'm ready to start talking about this record. What do you say we get into track one? You've got other girls for that. Let's get into it, Paul. The track by track. Well, I ain't your baby Even though I thought I'd be I ain't your only Maybe the only one who thinks that's so I ain't your first choice Maybe once upon a time When I was living With delusions at night No, you've got other girls for that By the way, there's some great record design here and uh, some really interesting photographs. This one is quite a... Oh, yeah. I, very, I really like her look and a lot of the early press around Forever and then some revolved around her look and how it wasn't classically country and how she looks more like a punk rocker. And yeah, this one, I feel like it has been... I, I like that they mentioned psychedelia because her look has evolved into a slightly more colorful, psychedelic-ish look. There's an interview she does on a podcast. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. Um, Is it the Third Men podcast? Yeah, no, the one you're on? it's that one. It's, that's the one. Uh, hold on. Let me pull it up. Uh, where she actually goes really into detail about that punk country dysmorphia. Uh, or not dysmorphia, but like just the jarring aesthetic choice. Um, yeah, the, the mashup. The... And she's just like, it's just what I wanted to do. Uh, I think it's Walking the Floor. Yeah, I believe it's Walking the Floor with Chris Shiflett. There's an episode featuring Lily May, so uh, you could also listen to that after this one, but don't stop listening to this one just to listen to that one. Um, <laughs> I'll kill you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she goes into that in great detail because he was asking the same question. Like, you know, it's, you, you, people go in expecting you to play rock and roll or punk music, and uh, you, you come out with with this very twangy country bluegrass and a lot of it came from the family band era, the gypsy era. And yeah. So uh, interesting stuff. I didn't know that existed, James. I'll have to check that out. I do think, you know, the expectation of rock and roll probably also comes from the fact that she's billed everywhere as Jack White's fiddle player. It's and true. so one sees that and one assumes mixed with her look that, you know, there's some rock and roll going on there, but yeah, not the case. And in fact, when she sticks to that bluegrass, down-home, fiddle-playing music sound, that's when I kind of like her stuff the most. And I think that just speaks to the lifetime of absorbing and playing that music that she and her family has had. Mm. But anyway, we'll start here, James, with the first track. You've got Other Girls for That. Now, this was our first taste of the new record. As we said, it was released with a video. Yes. Lily May tells Rolling Stone, it was basically a true story. It's just about somebody that was in my life that had other girls. So we know that she's had, you know, a couple complicated relationships there. And she uh, she was not afraid to tell me about them the first time I met her in 2017 when she was promoting Forever and Then Some, which was a really cool experience I also had out here in uh, in LA but I like this song it reminds me a lot of Over the Hill and Through the Woods which was the debut single off of Forever and then some in that it is the dynamics are kind of all over the place there's sometimes where the music just stops or gets very low and it's her voice and it's also a similarly paced song they're both a little on the slow side 
maybe over the hill and through the woods is a little more got a little more zing to it but Mm -hmm. what was your take on this when you first heard it i was first of all extremely happy to get new lily may i thought that it was a little rambly more so than earlier stuff a solid single but I thought the four-minute mark may have been a little too much for it. But that's me critiquing the song. And I, don't, I mean, I, I overall, I really liked liked the song. I liked the video a lot. And I really liked the chorus. I thought it, it had a nice kind of rolling vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, every lyric kind of tumbles over the last one. And I don't know, it's a, it's a pretty song. It's a very pretty song. I agree with you completely about the four-minute mark thing. In fact... You know, we should say this episode's going to be a lot of opinion about the record, so just take it with for what it is. But we're both Lily Mae fans, and we have feelings and thoughts, and we're here to share them with you. Anyway, I do think some of the songs maybe go on a little on the long side, and this is yeah, I agree. It's one of those for me. I like the chorus. It's an interesting choice, though. She goes other girls for that, and and she's rising and rising, and then she, I'm just here to play, and then it hits this sort of. It almost sounds, it's not flat, but it's definitely a, a minor sort of mm-hmm. note. That's just how she sings is all, like she sings a lot of, she could be singing the happiest thing in the world, but she's singing it in a minor key. And that's just how she sings. Right. And it's beautiful, but it always sounds just so tragically sad. It does. So the chorus we should say is, you've got other girls for that. I'm just here to play. And it ain't like you, babe, to know me well. And then the ending outro is, My reality is spoiled, purity expired, and it ain't like you'd even rather know, and it ain't like you're even on a roll, and it ain't like you'd even let me go. So some anger in there. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a tragedy that she's putting to record here, but there's some real palpable anger in there, too. Yes, for good reason. That's a very passionate subject, and uh, it's a passionate song. Yeah. I I like the intro a lot with the acoustic guitar and the little snake sound. It's very how do you sleep using the slithery Mm -hmm. snake sound. to uh, And that lets you know that she's talking about a villain pretty much immediately. (laughs) The softness of the vocal and and the breaks and the pacing remind me, as I said, of Over the Hill and Through the Woods. I think this is one of her better melodies. And when we get to the chorus, there's almost an operatic feel to it. Mm-hmm. Like you're in a big sad rainstorm. You're yeah. It's you're looking at the majesty of this rainstorm, but it's also tragic because the rainstorm is preventing you from going outside and living life and yet whatever it is. But with, with that trademark kind of yodel to it, almost right. Uh, especially at the end, the oh well, it's less yodely than some other stuff, but you know, it's still got that quality to it. Yeah, and and you know, speaking of that yodely kind of hoedown sound you know i really do gravitate toward that more with her i think she really rocks with the best of them when she gets in upbeat americana mode Mm. and so i feel sometimes conflicted about the slower songs although ironically one of the slower ones on this album or at least another one of the ballads is my favorite track on the record and i would say one of her finest songs she's ever written Hmm. one of the things i love is all the little effects that she's got on here and there's like a fuzz fiddle in the middle. It's like um, it almost sounds like they're putting that bumble fuzz thing on the on the fiddle, and it, there's like this crescendo up into an instrumental break, which is really awesome. And yeah, the video's cool. It's it's got her feeding a dog eggs, right? Which I love. <laughs> it contributes to that haunting quality of the music, though. It complements it in that way. 
there's a lot of mannequins and she's clearly portraying other girls in, in one she's like a homemaker and one she's like a just a middle of the road girlfriend and the one she's like a hooker or mm-hmm. something clearly there's some sass in her approach to that which would say to me that she would not be upset if the target of her ire knew what she was doing here and she hopes that they rot in hell yeah she's eyeing the camera the whole time with that fire in her eyes yeah Yeah. fire hot fire we move on to track two here crisp and cold This is a highlight of the record for me. I, I really do like this one. I think maybe Scarlett's harmonizing with her on that. I believe so. Well, there is a um, a live version, uh, live performance for Issue magazine, I think. Yes. Of Crispin Cold featuring Scarlett on uh, on mandolin and vocals. Yeah, and she, Scarlett's really good on this record. Scarlett writes a few of the songs, or co-writes, rather. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Anyway, um... One of Lily May's strengths as a songwriter, I think, comes from her wordplay. And as a person who specializes in harmonizing vocals, she knows exactly what syllables and consonants to hit in her word choice to evoke what she's going for. So she's just the idea. Crisp and cold, it's such a great title because it paints a very vivid picture immediately. You can imagine what crisp and cold means. It, you know, means the cold snap of outside on your face it's meant to try and make you feel physically yeah. cold you know when she says it and it's actually kind of an i think it's an inspired uh, choice for the for the title of the song and for just alliteration in there oh for sure it's got some good vocal snap to it too yeah the way she sings it evokes that and then a, a very heavy guitar song as well which is what we were talking about last time you know oh, she's yeah. kind of she's losing more of the fiddle and putting some more guitar into it and it lends a different kind of energy to the song oh yeah there's not only that uh, the fuzz guitar solo you're i think you're talking about at the end oh that's great yeah laid on top of that like spanish guitar or something it's like it shouldn't work and yet it works so well it works really well paint it black is kind of in there a little bit the Mm. (laughs) the feel of that the stone song Mm -hmm. and yeah there's like drums mixed with mandolin there's just a lot of excellent little combos going on on this record agreed that brings us to track three. I came for the band for show. I didn't come to take you home. I didn't come to be alone. I didn't come today at all. I came here for the show. You can taste the spite on this one. And, you know, when she mentions, like, there's three songs that kind of hit the same beats in this, this is one of those, along with Terralingua Girl and You've Got Other Girls for that. Wow. A lot of bite on this one. Uh, co-write with Scarlett. The first co-write on the record. Uh, nice. I Weirdly, not my favorite 
favorite of the bunch, but it is uh, it is good. I mean, I, there's no song on here I didn't like. I liked them all, but this is the one I found to be the one I least connected to, I think. Yeah, I agree with that generally. It's not my favorite, but I enjoy it. It may be the repetition of the verses. I'm not sure. There was just something about it that seemed... Something about it that you didn't connect with. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The opening's got kind of a classic rock feel, almost kinks-like. It sounds a little like Ape Man in places. Hmm. I think I'm sophisticated because I'm living my life like a good homo sapien. But all around me, everybody's multiplying and they're walking around like flies, man. So I'm no better than the animals sitting in the cages in the zoo, man. Drop a towns in there on some of the chord choices, but you know, I like the chorus on this a lot. To read a couple of the lyrics here, it'll illuminate some of the spite that's coming in. I didn't come to watch the clock. I didn't come so you could talk. I didn't come so you could see. I came here for me. I didn't come here for a while. I didn't come to burn some leaves. I didn't come here not to dance. I came for the band. It immediately put me in a place of like a bad relationship or like, some form of a relationship in which the guy is thinking that just because the girl is there, it's going to be all about their problems and stuff. And she's like, no, 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 this is for me. I'm having fun here. Go in the corner. I mean, to go based on that, there is a saucy line in this one as well, which is, I didn't come today at all. (laughs) I did notice that. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking at the genius lyrics for it, and they spell it differently than all the other ones. (laughs) You know, she's really good. Her lyrics are are something. She's very judicious with them. She's very careful with them. Mm-hmm. And they're funny. They're really funny. I do recall that line packing a bit of a punch in the car as well, going like, whoa, Lily. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get, I get what you're saying right now. I get it's, the joke. I get it. It's funny. That, James, brings us to my favorite track on the record, one of my favorite from Lily May, Whole Blue Heart. Ah, the Emoji Movie. Yeah, it's a co-write between her and that Herschel Van Dyke fella. It's an instant favorite. It's the one I connected with immediately. I had the pleasure, as I mentioned, of hearing this album for the first time being sung by her. And she introduced this song by saying she wrote it after the Blue Heart emoji. And that is very funny to me because I'm not, I don't think it's true, but it sticks out of my memory, you know. She said it in other places, though. She's Has she she's, really? Yeah, she's mentioned it. 
in other spots. I love it. I love that. If it is true, I love it even more. <laughs> <laughs> if I recall, it was like the Paste magazine thing, or if not, Grim- no, it was Grimey's. She mentioned it at Grimey's yeah. in, uh, in Nashville. Gotcha. And that's where I also had heard it. I wasn't at Grammys, but the whole thing is filmed by someone very nice who filmed that. There's a lot of good full concerts available on YouTube from Lily Mae. If you haven't checked those out, she's great live. But first of all, you should go see her, but also check them out on YouTube. A lot of good stuff there. There's a little Help Me Stranger in the in the top of this song, a little, just mm-hmm. in vibe. And it's just a great combination of lyric, her voice, the fiddle, the mandolin. They're all working in perfect unison, and Frank is absolutely killing it on guitar. At least I'm pretty sure it's Frank. This is where I like her singing the most. I like it when she's not lingering too long on notes and she sings it a little more like a rock and roll singer might sing it. Even though this is a country song and definitely, definitely feels like a country song, I appreciate this style of her vocal more when it's just her singing, you know? Yeah. By the way, this is via the Tennessean. That song is inspired. It's written about a lonely person but it's from the blue heart emoji, says Lily Mae. So that's via the Tennessean magazine. Uh, that's great. Yeah. So The line, whole blue heart, oh, you are nice and cold. You weren't faking it. It's real inside. You aren't making his any more than mine. Whole blue heart. There's so much sincerity in these lyrics. She's just got a real sincere, straightforward, it never ever sounds like Lily Mae wants to bullshit you about anything. She yeah. just says what she's thinking and boils it down and gets it on the record. And that's partly why I love her and this album so much, because of that honesty that comes through in her work and her lyrics. Yeah. She also, you mentioned the yodel on this one. She's kind of, she flirts with yodeling a little bit in this one. In fact, I just like it when she straight up yodels. That's one of my yeah, well, yeah, of course. favorites, but... Anyway, that brings us to the next track here, which is How. It's another sincere one. It's a catchy hook. I love this song. Uh, I found myself liking this one a lot. And you know what I realized about it is that it has a real don't let me down vibe to it. Oh, yeah. The melody to the chorus or the the intro of the song even has that same kind of chord structure. And uh, yeah, I found this song to be quite nice. I like this one a lot. and the bass on this track makes it for me actually and Scarlett also does as always a a really nice job with the harmony there's a real rock and roll feel to this one you know yes especially at the end there's that psychedelic guitar solo going and when you're listening if you were to just isolate that you would never think country record it sounds like you know it sounds like a rock it sounds like a 60s or 70s rock and roll record Mm -hmm. It's also got, like, the backwards stuff on it as well. Yes. Which also reminded me of Rain. So I just kept getting weird Beatles kind of connections. 
poking in through this. Not sure if that's inspired. Maybe it's because of the Ringo thing, Octopus's Garden, you know, you know other girls. Who knows? Conspiracy? Definitely not. But this song did it for me. This song really uh, hit the nail on the head. It's a good one. This one and Didn't I on the side B. I love Didn't I. Those two are linked for me. They're similarly structured. In There's like an opening little hook there. And this and Didn't I were two of the first ones I heard. Didn't I is my favorite. That one. Okay. This, well, we'll get to that later. But yeah. Yeah. So those were the first two I think I heard out of the 10 year celebration through some of the videos people were sending around. And I remember listening to both of those and go, oh, yeah, those are Lily Mae songs. Like there, there is a stamp yes. <laughs> she has when she's writing songs. And that definitely felt quintessentially Lily Mae. Indeed. So side A comes to a close with a golden year. And I, I like this one. It's a solid side closer. It's in another sad key, but the atmosphere at the intro is uh, lovely despite or maybe because of the sadness. This one's got that kind of rolling vibe again. The You've got other girls for that kind of harmonic melancholy. La, 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 la. Down by the fire In the depths of the night Burns a so happy and bright to carry your weight and some more around here and don't forget to breathe in the air la 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 it's another track that also has that kinksy sound for me and ultimately it's just a little too slow and sad for me to return to a whole lot but again beautiful lyrics on this a silver moon comes to a close full again so shiny and bold i swear i see a halo that glows above your crown and i too will follow the lyrics coupled with that ending holy shit it is a nice build and it sounds amazing live too and you know it's a, as the side closer goes it's great i think she is maybe a little bit better at closing songs and opening them. I, I really do like the way she closes most of the tracks on this record. The end of that one is the like the whole band starts in on yeah. it. And yeah, uh, I really like that ending as well. My only problem is that it doesn't last long enough. I wish... Yes. It builds and builds and builds and then kind of collapses. I know uh, Josh Aiken was also mentioning that on the Thinking Persons group is that, you know, she really built to this great point and then it just kind of tapers off into the ether. And I, I really wish it built up to a, a climax. And then, I don't know, it, I felt the same way about uh, everything you ever learned on Jack White's yeah. Boarding House Reach. Is it built to this point and you get there and then it's just blue balled. You're gone. It's done. Yeah. The whole blue ball. <laughs> there are songs I love by other artists too, where I feel the same way about. It. It's like you were you, you got there, you got there. Why'd you leave so quickly? I would honestly listen to full songs of just these outros, and I think that's kind of what Love Dilly Love is. But we'll, we'll yes. get to Love Dilly Love. The opener of Side B on the record is at least three in this room, which is the second of the Lily May and Scarlet co-writes. Mm, on I the like record. this one a lot. Yeah, I always forget about it. It's actually a little upbeat, and the humor is good in this track. There's a lot of biting wit in the lyric. And again, it, uh, it's back to those same themes. 
Well, yeah, the whole album's full of this anger and venom towards this person that has wronged her. Yeah, for sure. It's like the first verse, how many dames do you leave wanting more? Because I know of at least three in this room. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Cause I know of at least three in this room There's how many flames will leave you lit How many names will you learn and forget Cause Uh, I know at least three in this room How many hearts do you rule from your throne the one that had me curious about it was the how many ways out have you conceived? Because when I was listening to it, I didn't hear the word out. So I was just like, how many ways have you conceived? And I'm like, oh, how many babies have you had? Like, I mean, maybe that's intentional, dude. Like, maybe. maybe. Yeah. How many it's ways possible. out have you conceived? How many eyes wait on me to leave? I, uh, I don't know, man. I think it, that might be wordplay. It could be. It could be. She's very good at that. Like Jack. I love that the bridge is, no, you can't blame us. You're always thinking of others. It's just a little little stab of the knife there right at the end. That's wordplay. That's <laughs> wordplay. I really love the outro on this one, too. Uh, again, yes. a, lot of great, a lot of great endings to these songs. That brings us to Some Gamble. Uh, okay, never mind. She knows how to start songs. Like This is a great start to Some Gamble. This one is a good, strong opening. smoky kind of atmosphere up at the top and there's a, a really great lyric to paint a picture you know mm-hmm. i think i really like the b side of this album probably more than the a side although the a side has so uh, i don't know i like this whole album I, there's not a dud on this there's not a strong side and a weak side i like tracks on side a and b in pretty equal measure mm-hmm. i think this song is about a one night stand or a fling of some kind the lyric goes, good morning, the sun forgot to sink down low, turn over, I'm trying, but it just won't go. If it would, I'm sure that I'd be on my way, but I've been praying hard for a change. I don't know if that's her regret for maybe sleeping with somebody. Or I don't know. But reading that, it sounded a little like the morning after a one-night stand. I, it could I don't be. know if that's what it's about. It's a... It very well could be. I mean, a gamble in general would be something similar to that, you know. Yeah. It's meant more than ever just to have a friend, but winter will be over when we meet again. Maybe it's about a, a dog. Uh, it could be. They Verse 3 has dogs barking. Really? <laughs> uh, I hear it all again. What's going on? Dogs barking. I know they've waited far too long because they need room to walk outside and run and play, and I need you to stay. So I think this might be her wishing somebody didn't do this thing, or it's somebody new, maybe. Maybe it's somebody new after the breakup. Maybe. And she's, because she's saying... Is she wishing that the guy that did her wrong would 
be able she would be able to keep like a dog and keep like a pet now, and teach tricks and stuff. This is definitely about the old guy and her wishing that it didn't go as south as it did because there's verse 2. There's no ahead when you done wrong. Okay. Keep going. That's all I've heard. Maybe the now. dog shit on the carpet. <laughs> Let's I think other people were just saying like, you know, because uh, then it says keep going. That's all I've heard for now for so long. So I don't know. I think you're right. We don't know. We're flummoxed. Anyway, that brings us to James, your favorite track, didn't I? This one to co-write with Misa, who again is Lily Mae's fiance and drummer and director of her music video and photographer for most of the uh, promotional mm. work for other girls. And I, uh, I think I like this one a little bit better than How. Actually, it's jaunty. It's very it's jaunty. jaunty. Yeah. I like this. I talked about this a lot during my tenure. My my tenure, uh, my uh, tenure anniversary. Fell in love with the show because this was one of the few new songs that she rolled out, and I filmed the almost the entirety of after I heard the intro because I loved the intro so much of her high notes. There, it reminded me a lot of Temporary Ground and that kind of warbling. You know, to quote <laughs> Carl Butterball, the warbling uh, really it warbled right into my heart. I love I love that. really just gets me gets me every time oh that's great i just i think i like it when she sings more straightforward rock and roll style a little bit i when it's just her singing you know i don't know all right the the didn't i it's the slow part of a roller coaster where it's going uphill 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 and then yeah then you're on a a faster you know up and down up and down up and down and then you're back on the the didn't I, didn't I, didn't I kind of slow okay, build yeah. up again. So it goes up, builds up, builds up slowly, and then rolls into the song. Ebbs and flows, yeah. I'm doing okay. a lot of hand motions, and I don't know if the podcast <laughs> is going to um, convey these hand motions, but they're accurate, I can assure you. Um, anyway, that brings us to the penultimate track on the record, Terralingua Girl. Mm. And this one turned into a favorite for me particularly on this current set of listens getting ready for this show it has those lily may song tropes in it but the arrangement starts to sound like again like the 60s sound and there's like fuzz electric guitar and oh that ending again it's like you're in a damn rock song and i think i just really like lily may doing rock yeah this song showed me that her songwriting has become a lot more polished. There's something I said the exact same thing in my notes here. It says there's a sophistication to the song. Sophistication. That's yeah. that's the word. I connected to this one as well. Terrible girl. 
track, solid track, one that she released early in... This is one of the singles, if I recall. Is it? I thought so. Maybe I'm no, wrong. I don't remember that. I'm probably wrong if if, if you didn't hear about it. Um, didn't but, I? Didn't, didn't I? I? Very well written. It, yeah, the sophistication is what really really gathered me with this one and and it feels more like a the continuation of forever and then some yes a lot of the other songs don't seem as connected intrinsically but this one seems like it could fit on that style of record yeah absolutely i agree 100 percent. i would love a record of more of that kind of sound out of her i, I wonder if she would be at all interested even in something like that but uh, i just want to bring up that Terralingua Girl is based off of uh, Terralingua, Texas. Looking at the Wikipedia, I have a very small rag and bone in that Terralingua, Texas uh, sponsored a chili cook-off and Mexican fence climbing contest to spoof the government's planned reinforcement of the chain link fence separating El Paso and Ciudad Juarez. Uh, and that, really? was the, that was in the 1970s, Paul. <laughs> oh, goodness. I wonder what um, she meant then by saying that it was a like a breakup song. She talks about Terra Lingua Girl in some of the in- interviews. She talks to Yahoo Entertainment about Terra Lingua Girl. It is the latest single off the record, so it was a single. Recounts a life-changing trip to a small mining district near the border of Mexico that's thought to be haunted. She says, I am quite drawn to that area spiritually. It's less about missing someone or something and more about the folk artist wanting to better understand the mysterious town and its people. Yeah, Terralingua Girl, written by May when she was just 19. Ah, so she was 19 years old when she wrote Terralingua Girl. Really? Yeah. I didn't know any of that. I wonder if there's a 45 of that. It's about the story of a young, inspiring girl... One local man gave us a tour of a small cave, and with him was the Terralingua girl, a tiny dark-haired gal from New Orleans. She had been back to visit her friends there. My boyfriend at the time would have traded me in for her that day if he could have. She was super pretty and very special. Whoa. I also met a stray mother dog who looked like a fox and had a puppy and that was bigger than her. I wanted to take them home so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so that goes with the other girls thing. Because yeah. he's looking at other people. Either that or she's viewing that memory through the lens of her current sure. situations and knowledge and wisdom. Boy, that brings us to the last track, James, Love Dilly Love, which has a similar grandiose kind of rocky feel to it. And this is the last of the three co-writes with Scarlet. Mm. boy that's a strong closer on the record it's lily may's favorite on the record too she told paste magazine my favorite is love dilly love this album for me there's a lot of closure in it it wrapped this huge period of my life up i was alone or felt alone for such a very long time and my life kind of like had some rays of sunlight come into it and i've been enjoying growing a lot and getting out of this hole i feel like i was in for a long time and to feel loved, really loved. It's like, no love, no love, daily love, no love. There was no love for me. And obviously, of course there was, but like huge parts of my life, I just felt loveless. So that song, Love, Dilly Love, wraps up everything for me, and then it ends on a positive note. It just naturally happened. Mm. So that's actually put a whole different spin on the song for me because, you know, Love, Dilly Love, that 
phrase is used to kind of twirl and twirl and twirl around and around and around and around, and it feels like there's a mounting pressure in that swirl. There's like a, a ominous nature to it, mm. and that makes perfect sense with it. It's basically just t- talking about depression, kind of. Yeah, she gives hundreds of <laughs> verbs to then end them with without. So she is yes having some bad feelings and doing a lot of things by herself and knowing it. Um, yeah. It's a low point among low points. And then you have the high point of the chorus, which, like you said, Paul, has this kind of ominous flavor to it. But I'm glad to see that it's not and that it's a, it's a light at the end of the tunnel for her. Yeah. she sings sometimes like i said she could sing about the happiest thing in the damn world and she could sing about the uh, like a chocolate fairy and it would sound just <laughs> so so sad chocolate fairy huh? <laughs> yeah, chocolate fairy <laughs> yeah a well, fairy made uh, of chocolate godiva perhaps <laughs> i don't know it does have that sweetness and and she is sweet she's a sweet sweet lady who is making some sweet music here. I really love that she pulls in sounds from all these different places, not only just from her background, but from all different genres of music. And it's funny, I was listening to an interview with her, and I can't recall where, but she said something about how nobody... uh, She has trouble finding music herself. She mainly gets it from what other people give her. And I found something quite charming about that, actually, that she's just, you know, she's absorbing from other people. She's a sponge for style and sound and all that stuff. And it was uh, it was just a nice sentiment. Yeah. So, James, that brings us to the end of the record. I think it's a strong record. I think I like both releases, both of her Third Man releases, probably equally. I think if I had to lean one way or the other, I, you know, Honky Tonks and Taverns is so strong for me, but... Both albums have enough songs that I really enjoy on them where, you know, I kind of have an equal affection for both. I think I would uh, I would love to put together a little playlist. Maybe we'll put this on our social channels if we're somehow able to do that, which would combine some of our favorite songs into one sort of Lily Mae playlist. But from this record, I know I would definitely pull Crispin Cold, Whole Blue Heart, Terralingua Girl, Love Dilly Love. You know, that's a lot of songs right there. Like, that's enough for a playlist right there. I think those are my favorites. Might as well chuck the whole thing in there because I like how and you've got other girls for that and didn't I and yeah. So We're going to get to our third person or third people segment rather I should say in a moment here but uh, well, well, well you know what James why don't we transition into that and I'll give a little background before we hop into the interviews. Sure let's do it. So on July 25th, 
I attended a listening party and concert by Lily May and her band at Gold Diggers in Los Angeles, and it was a very cool experience, an awful lot like the one I went to in 2017 that I mentioned for Forever and Then Some's launch, where you got to listen to the new record, Lily May played tracks from it, and I showed up pretty early to this, and when I got in there, Lily May and the band were just hanging out at the bar and stuff, and um, I was able to get interviews with Lily May, Frank, and then after the show was over, Scarlett. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to play you those interviews that I recorded on the night, and it's really cool. They were awesome to take the time to chat, to answer some questions, try to uh, get in as many as I could on the fly there, and uh, I'm really happy we were able to do this, James. You know, this one, the Olivia Jean one, Bobby Harlow, this season has been so awesome, <laughs> and Radke, of course, Isaiah yeah. Radke. It's been so awesome for interviews for us, and we really just, you know, we're very excited about these. It's been the best season so far. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into the interviews. Let's do it. Forever and Then Some, super awesome album. How soon after Forever and Then Some were you working on the new record? Oh, it was well over a year, probably a year and a half. With all the touring and stuff? Um, I think Forever and Then Some we did in April 2017. Yeah. And we recorded September, October, and we were wrapped up by November of the new album. So that's like a year and a half almost. So were you writing a lot on the road? Um, I just write whenever it comes. Yeah. So that happens a lot. It does. It happens a lot when driving. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. But I was never writing anything. Spe- I wasn't writing specifically for a new record. I don't do that. I just 
I just write as it comes through me. Okay, awesome. Um, we really love, uh, so Honky Tonks and Taverns is my favorite song off the Forever and Then Some. Thank you. At the beginning of that, you have a little like, you say something like, what did the snake do to her? Yeah. What's the rest of that? Okay, so that was <laughs> Jill, Jack's assistant. She, everyone was like, you know, in the control room, they were talking about her, there was a snake outside oh, okay. or something, you know. And they were like, ah, snakes, you know. <laughs> and Jill was like, I hate snakes. I can't, no snakes for Jill, you know. And I, I was like, what did a snake do to her? Okay, Basically, that's what like, it is. You get raped by a snake or something, <laughs> you know? Mystery solved. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what was it What was it like working with a different producer other than Jack on this one? Now, I, we know you did Rain on the Piano with a different producer as well, but yeah. was it an adjustment with that somebody? That was Johnny different? Sandlin. Johnny Sandlin was, um, he produced the Allman Brothers' first albums. Holy shit. He was in Hourglass yeah. and in the Allman Joys with the Allman Brothers before they were the Allman Brothers. And when I lived in Decatur, Alabama, I lived on his floor for a bit, and yeah. he was a became a dear friend, and he's passed away now. But he produced Widespread Panic and, like, loads and loads of people through the years. And that was just something I happened to be living in the area, and I got to record that for free, and they, they were really good to me. Yeah. Um, he and his wife, Anne. Um, I had no idea. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah. Wash Me Clean's on that one, too, right? Yeah. Um, it was, and, you know, I had my ex-boyfriend was involved with that. Oh, okay. And um, don't care for him in one pinch, and he's um, not a very good person. And unfortunately, like, I was just like, I don't want to sell this record. I don't want this record to be available to anyone. I love Johnny. And I'm, and I'm grateful for the times I got to spend with Johnny, but I didn't want that album to be available anyway. Anywhere, I, it wasn't me. It was, it was someone else. Different person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, relationships can do that to you. Yeah, that was my ex-boyfriend was in total control of that album, so I was like, nah. Well, that's not. That wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you can't find that one anywhere. But um, no, I mean, you know, I would never compare Jack or Dave. Yeah. They're incomparable. Different kind of stuff. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, recording at Jack's place, I was always super comfortable working there. I recorded there for years. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Dave, you know, was, you know, it was, it was, uh, we, you know, he was very professional. We go in and make, you know, we go in and do this, do these tracks live and, you know, like very different from working at Jack's where you just kind of have, you're in the backyard, you right, know? Right. You're just like, <laughs> it's home. There's a lot of, very, a lot of differences. I would never compare the two. How about uh, harmonizing with them, like Temporary Ground and Alone in My Home? Or I, I, I loved playing with Jack very much. I had a, I had always, always had great times playing with him, and I loved singing with him. That's awesome. Fun times. Awesome. Well, one more, one more question. I know you're getting ready for the gig, but we really love your old Gypsy stuff too. Any chance it's, of that coming out on Third Man at all? Oh no way. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah. Third Man would never have that. Oh come on, it might. It's good. Stuff. They wouldn't. Okay. Um, no Gypsy. Um, I, you know, my family band continues. Like, yeah. my family will probably always play together yeah. if they're able, yeah. as long as people are able to play. But like, Gypsy was uh, we we can't even use the rights to Gypsy because oh, like really? Sony, like we were with Sony for like seven years, but we don't own the band name even. Oh. So yeah, so f- them too. <laughs> nah, everyone's all right. I'm, awesome. I'm always like, you know, back I was like the label. I was like. You know, we were with Sony for like seven years, but 
I was like, they paid for me to go to the dentist, and like, oh. they took, you know, they All took right. pretty good care of us. So, Fair I enough. will never, I will, you know, made some great contacts back then too. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, uh, They're all right. <laughs> we love your stuff. Thank you so much for. Uh, we were happy to hear Thank the announcement you. of the new record, and also the insane Thanks. fiddle you have at the end of that Raconteurs album. <laughs> right. Holy My sister shit. Scarlett is on that too. Oh yeah, no. Uh, so were you, Thank you were you dueling during that, or how was that going? Were you going going at the same time? Or? We were. Yes. Was that live with the band? It or? wasn't. No, no, they had done it already. They were all there, though. They were all there for the recording. We did it at Jack's studio. Wow. So it was really, it was really fun. Much like your harmony on his stuff, it feels like it always had to be there. So that's, Aww, yeah, that's, that's so great. sweet. Thank so you. Thank you so much, Lily. I appreciate thank that. Thank you. That's so nice. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank have you. a good show. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, you can hear. Yeah. So Forever and Then Some, you played on her first record with Third Man. Yeah, I did. Sure now, did. Now, what's the difference in... I on... I'm sorry, go ahead. Not the whole album I didn't play on, but uh, yeah, I did play on well, you part played... of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, on a few of the yeah, tracks? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my bad. Go ahead. But you've been touring that album for quite a while. What would you say is the difference between like Lily's songs from the first record to this current one? Man, uh, well... I just think Lily, uh, musically, like, um, I think she, her writing just keeps evolving, and uh, I really have always, I think her writing's great all around, everything's really deep, and, you know, sure. but the songs, like, are definitely, the melodies and everything are a lot different to me, it sounds more like, you know, it sounds a little more like, has a little more pop yeah, okay. I don't know, if, you know, uh, it sounds a melodies like and stuff, but yeah. it's definitely tighter. They yeah. got like the, I think the last one, you know, it's similar. I think similar ways, sort of similar in tracking, you know. Most of this was all done, tracked, you know, and yeah, most yeah. of everything that's on here is done like while we tracked it. Okay, cool. Which cool. is cool, but right, uh, right. yeah, I don't. I, so it's it's tighter, a little poppier, like a little more to like. Is it was there a difference you found in production? Like because Jack wasn't producing this time around, was there a difference yeah, they, in that? There's definitely a difference in their style of producing for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think Dave Cobb was a little more hands on, to be honest with you. Um, although Lily came in with like most of these songs down like she had everything arranged yeah uh i mean i didn't personally i wasn't like involved in that but sure i came in and everything was arranged but then dave was like very hands-on and like okay doing this here right, you know? right. so he added some things changed some things around that okay uh, yeah. you know and i think uh both of them you know i think like Jack, I think was more of uh, just kind of let everybody play, which is cool too. There's just different styles of producing. Um, 
which don't get me wrong, everybody just played what they felt, but um, yeah, uh, on this as well. But okay, you cool. know, it's just a little bit different style. So you guys have been playing together for a long <laughs> time. What's yeah. the what's the difference between like playing with Gypsy and like playing now? Um, <laughs> Besides a couple of decades, maybe. Well, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I really, I do think that um, there's a big difference in the fact. I think that these songs are just more. Lily, you know, Lily's. They're her songs, and they're. Um, you know, that's it's more personal from her standpoint, and I mean, really, that's what I. I don't know. I think I love to just play like the song, whatever it is, and I think sure. that this really stands out as her, as Lily Mae's um, completely original yeah. thing. You know, sure. and, uh, melodies and lyrics are completely her own, and she do- it doesn't sound like anybody else to me yeah. at all. And, and you know, that's really uh, so. Hopefully, you know, we were <laughs> able to like you know just try to you know make it. You know, just play things that like make uh, make the songs. You know, that just fit in. Sure, yeah. You know, to so anyway. when when you're when you're bringing guitar to a song, like, and you've been playing together for so long. Yeah. Do you do you have to like work out a part? Like, do you take time away from the band to work out a part, or do you come in and it kind of gels, or does it get crafted in the studio? Uh, I mean, most of everything was. I guess all everything was crafted like in the studio. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are certain parts, obviously, that like you want to try to like play those parts. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have parts that you know everybody's. You have to work out. Sure, sure. Um, and play those parts, but a lot of it's just like listening, really, right. and playing, playing something that works. You know, right, right. So, Re- I mean, reacting to the yeah, song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that's yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. one more question. I know you guys are getting yeah, ready to go sure. on, but what's your what's your favorite? What's the track you had the most fun playing on the new record? Um, well, I don't know. I think honestly, <laughs> the whole thing was really the whole. It was just a pro. It was a. Uh, it's an experience. Like the whole the whole album was to me. Every single song was new, and uh, I was extremely excited about. It. I mean, honestly, like yeah. it, it was a great feeling throughout. Um, so I don't I don't know if I have a specific favorite because I, I love the I love the whole thing you know that's I, awesome yeah it was so that's great yeah well thanks for thanks yeah, for talking yeah. to me I really appreciate it. <laughs> Oh,
Thank you guys. So, I'm wondering about the new album. Uh, what kind of like, what kind of input did you have on the album? Did you play on all the tracks, or has that worked? Do you, do you arrange parts with Lily beforehand, or give me the lowdown? Okay. Um, so we usually like most of the time going in, we have the like arrangements down. This okay. last album was like. We kind of worked it out in the studio, so I do play on all the tracks. Okay, awesome. um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're actually Frank and I, Lily, um, same drummer, same yeah, pretty much the same band on every track except uh, bass players were like about six songs were one, six songs were another. Sure, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, but we kind of worked <laughs> it out in the studio. Yeah, it was okay. really quick. It was a pretty quick process. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So was this process similar to Forever and Then Some, or was that more finding your footing? Like, yeah, you've been playing together for a long different. time. Yeah. Well, um, no, Forever and Then Some was like, we had a lot more time to record it. Um, And we would like go in, I mean, work, 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 like arrange parts. This was like, just like, I mean, it was like in and out. We did two songs a day. I know. So it was like, it was like... But I mean, it was it was like a few hours, yeah. like before lunch. Had you heard and we them cut before? a song. Um, yes, yeah, some of the, uh, we'd heard all. I mean, I've oh, heard all. Yeah, them. yeah. Um, some of the other band had it, but yeah. we had been like working on it. A couple of them had the arrangements on them, but a lot of them like had Dave Cobb's input as well. So we would yeah. like um, just go in, play it. Lily would play it like a few times through. And then he'd, like, throw a couple suggestions, and we'd try this or that, someone else would throw something. Um, so we did, like, one track before lunch and one track after lunch for, like, six days, and that was it. He works really, like, really quickly. Yeah. It's like a nine-to-five job. Yeah, it was. It was like, oh, wow, this is quick. Um, Lily did go in then and overdub vocals okay. after that, right, but, yeah. like, pretty much. And there may have been some, like, couple guitar overdubs and yeah. some percussion, but, like, most of album was like cut and like yeah wow (laughs) yeah so like from the gypsy days to now Mm -hmm. like how has how have you uh, playing with your siblings evolved does it feel like like a comfy old pair of sweats or something or does it feel like new every time um it's actually new and a lot of the differences in most of the gypsy days we um cut other writers songs yeah. Lily did write at the time but really? um, but yeah we didn't do any of them she had like um, she wrote with like some friends and stuff but we didn't really do any in our band yeah did any of those songs make it to um, well like uh, Tara Linkle Girl which is on the new record she wrote that like I mean I want to say six years ago so like that's an older one yeah, yeah. it's going back yeah wow um, but not like yeah, not like Gypsy Days, like after that, but right. still, yeah. The after Gypsy, yeah. yeah. So one difference is like, yeah, we didn't really write our own yeah. enough of our own stuff then. But, so we like worked out all the arrangements and music and stuff, but like now, yeah, I mean now it's obvious like all Lily's originals and then um, a few that I um, helped go write on, but yeah. So you have all, you were also part of this amazing like fiddle duel at the end of the Raconteur's new album, right? Like, yes, yes. Holy shit. Holy shit. I was telling Lily earlier, yeah. like, that made the song. Can you tell me a little That's bit about that session? Like, what was that like? Um, So it was like, I think we, like, got called in that day. It was like, hey, can you come in in, like, the next two hours? That's such a jack thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, can you come in in two hours? And yeah. um, so Lily, he called Lily, Lily called me, and I was like, yeah. So we went in and um, just heard the song. 
and then like once or twice and then they were like just play what you want yeah. so um, we just started playing and then she had that like double time idea of like yeah. the speed and then so we just like worked it out really quick and put it down yeah <laughs> I mean not your first time with Jack right no no yeah. um, so you, you and Lily were there since 2012 right yes yeah, so we did I I have done like a way 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 less than her but I um, we were originally together for like something for a movie oh um, was it um the Great Gatsby song? It was like a spaghetti western song, like for some. Yes. But I don't think that they went. I think Jack didn't go with it. But we were with a whole group of like, right. yeah, musicians and girls who um, who we wanted to like try it out with. Yeah. So we, so that's when I first met him and we recorded um, a couple's tunes with that. And then yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then Lil, um, and then Lily went on to yeah play with that whole tour with the female band right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, and then so that's yeah that's mainly that and then this for actual recording with Jack for me right, right, right. yeah and then just at Jack's studio with sure. Lily and that forever and then some album and all that yeah. Uh, so do you have and this is my last question before I leave you alone. Sure, uh, I know no you problem. just played a show. No do you have any of your own music coming out that we can plug promote anything going on um, in the Scarlet World? No. I really like, so I do like play with, obviously play with Lily, write with Lily, and then also we, I mean, we play downtown like at Layla's with our other sister, Gracie, oh, yeah, and we yeah. do like a lot of bluegrass, and we had like a fa- family album a couple years ago, oh, and so we all like work on that, but I don't have like actually Scarlet solo stuff, <laughs> okay. but I do like write a lot of music parts and yeah. some lyrics and stuff, but really with with family. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. Thank yeah. you. This is an amazing set tonight. Good luck at the Greek tomorrow. That's going to be awesome. I'll be there. I'll be cheering you on. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. We're excited. Thank you. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you for talking. Absolutely. See you guys. Bye. Nice to meet you. Enjoy the show tomorrow. You'll be good. You'll be set tomorrow. I'll be set. like to thank our third people for this week, uh, Lily May, Scarlett, and Frank for joining us on the show. Amazing to talk to them, and we want to thank them very much for uh, showing some love to the Third Men podcast. Yeah, it means so much to us. We really appreciate you talking with Paul and, and talking with me and Ariel when we went to see Lily May and all them, and Lily's always been very receptive to fans and responsive and talks to people after the shows and stuff, and it is... Just the nicest. It's amazing. So thank yes. you. Yes. And Frank and Scarlett and 
everybody involved in the Rishi Rishi crew. The whole Rishi crew is very the Rishi Swaz. The- <laughs> it's supposed to be cold. So we also have some other Crispin things here. Cold, Paul. <laughs> we also have some other thanks here. We would like to thank our uh, Patreon subscribers. Thank you, everybody who has been donated to Patreon. We have uh, Stu Cat or uh, Marta for our love for Stu or Stu Driver. We had a lot of names for Stu there. We would also like to thank Brenda Engelhart. I want to be the boy to warm your Engelhart. We want, yeah. We of course want to thank. I want to be the boy to warm your Engelhart. Very nice. We've got Kate oh. McCoy, the Bones of the Operation. Oh, Kate McCoy. How could we forget Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation? We have Joe Shaken all over. Got Josh, Joe, Aiken. Joe, Josh Aiken, Joe Shaken all over. Nicest man in in the world. Nice man in the world. We have Brett. the Brett 3 killed Mike Garski. Thank you very mm-hmm. much, Brett. You didn't actually kill anyone. Just um, Mike so Garski. We won't. Just the Garski. And then, uh, of course, uh, Luke me over closely. Luke Sinclair and uh, Tam Davis, our third person in Spirit of the Week. So thank you. To our Patreon patrons, if you would like to become one, there's a little ad at the end of our show that'll tell you how to do that. And one day, James and I will put that in the uh, in the little back half here. And if you want to get in touch with us, James, there are many different ways to do it. Of course. There's ways such as Facebook. You can go on Facebook.com slash Third Men. You can tweet at us on Twitter at Third Mencast is our handle there. You can tumble with us on Tumblr. That's Third Men Podcast dot tumblr.com there's wordpress where we put up uh, a blog with the episodes every week uh, or every two weeks that's the third men dot wordpress dot com you can email us at gmail uh, on our gmail that's third men podcast at gmail dot com you can find our show at pippa which is now moving to acast nothing's changing for you all out there same service but uh, acast just bought pippa uh, but we hear that they're just as nice over at Acast, and you know what? I'm willing to try. Yeah, we're willing to try. Um, <laughs> uh, they got other pods for that. They've, <laughs> they've been very adamant that they are not changing, which usually means they're going to be changing significantly. Yeah, possibly in the future. We don't know. But uh, truth be told, <laughs> my love affair with Pippa is over, uh, and now I'm in love with Acast. <laughs> So. Oh, other pots for that. James is in love with Acast. I like this. Speaking of winding narratives, if you would like to win yourself some genuine original James Kaminsky artwork, all you have to do is rate, Ask. review. Oh. Okay. All you have to do is rate, review, and subscribe with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And in your review, include a uh, pitch for an aspect of our beloved new Saturday morning cartoon series Teen Fertita, which of course follows the adventures of a teenage <laughs> Dean Fertita. So all mm. you have to do is again pitch us a Teen Fertita episode idea, rate us five stars, send that over to us in an email, and we will send you some artwork. More specifically, James will send you some artwork. Yes, and uh, Nick Langford, laying you up from the heavens. I'm almost done inking your drawing, so uh, I will be sending that out shortly. He's Sorry inking for the it. delay. He's inking it. He could have penciled that son of a bitch, and he's inking it. Yeah, uh, so that's that's coming his way. And uh, yeah, if you'd like that, please give us some Teen Fertitta material. We need it. I'm thinking April Fool's, we just do a full-on Teen Fertitta episode. Uh, pff, man, Paul, it's been... Literally three years since we've done an April Fool's Day episode, and we've got to do this. Still our lowest downloaded episode. (laughs) Why would anybody not want to listen to the Smash Men? 
<laughs> listen to the, all right. Look, if you want to support us, listen to the Smash Men. You can find that on Pippa. Um, you could, yeah, uh, if anyone's a new listener and has didn't realize that we did an April Fools episode literally years ago where we did a complete overhaul of the podcast and did it straight as if it was a smash men tribute show you should just somebody reviewed it on facebook saying um bold choice to have a parody of yourself when nobody knows who you are or something (laughs) along those lines (laughs) and they would be correct um, speaking of bold choices, you can check out some bold animations and visualizers that James has done for the show on YouTube. You have to visit, you have to visit youtube.com slash C slash the third man podcast. And if you would like to send us any listener questions, you can do so. We got a lot of listener questions from the last episode, social posts, which didn't actually mean we were looking for questions. We it just meant we more. were looking for some rusty gold on the internet there. And we found it. But actually, we, we've accumulated all the questions you asked us, and we'll be using those at a later date in a listener questions episode. So if you have any more, please send them over. Uh, we're always taking those, you know. But uh, thank you to uh, Robert Stewart, uh, Denise Fizzle, so many of you for doing that. It was quite a bit of you, actually. And we would like to thank Sam Kewart and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song, We're the Third Men, as well as Susanna Roundtree for the lovely intros and outros of our program. And James? Mm-hmm. I think that brings us to the end. Very happy that we got to do this episode. Hope you all enjoyed it. Hope you all listen to some Lily May. You know, it's good music. You know, good music. Good music by a wonderful artist, and you should all support it. It's great. And thanks again, Lily May. And we're going to keep doing the outro again. Let's start. Let's start over. Let's do it. Uh, Until then, (laughs) I will be looking for a home paying tribute to Elmo. And I will be looking for a home in Terralingua, Texas, where I will be participating in the Mexican fence climbing competition. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good night. (laughs) For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> Why was he that his voice? <laughs> Goodbye. No. <laughs> he lost it. lost Carl. James lost Carl. Oh, no. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Haru. Haru. Goodbye. There we go. But I guess that would make sense, and that would be silly to assume. Well, okay. That's the pizza. Hold on. Okie dokie. <laughs> Entertaining. Just checking the photo in Nashville. I'm on the right track. Here I am. I found the photo. Uh, look. There's a spawn cake <laughs> that I put there. Uh, I haven't opened it yet, but I'm 
delighted. I wish. Oh, I saw it. It's the spawn cake. <laughs> oh, oh it's just messed you up. Beating that pizza. Let me revise that statement. We definitely did try showering her at gifts. Okay, cool. We walked into a Sesame, uh, into a Barnes and Noble, and the. Our first mistake was walking into a Barnes and Noble because there was just m- so many Elmo displays. We walked out of there with twenty dollars in Elmo merchandise. I don't even realize. What did we even buy? We, we were trying to. We call it offering tribute to the red one. <laughs> Elmo no need tribute. <laughs> Elmo need. Elmo wants you. <laughs> I was just going there. I was going with Elmo want your blood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I sent you. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> Please, I need this Elmo impression in my life. So if you, James, if... I gotta put a bottle on. I'm oh yeah, so go, 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 go. Um, I don't remember actually what we call this one. We're sorry. Oh, wait, no, we actually, uh, did have something, didn't we? Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh. It may just be... Oh, is it annoying as hell in Yeah, I think that's it. I believe so. I'm going to look it up. It doesn't tell me. Let's go back to our song. Hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you you like chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on it can be as much or as little as you can swing and all donations are greatly appreciated the last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough but if you would like to help us out that would be amazing all right 
That's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com slash thirdmenpodcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody. I'll see you on the show. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.